You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Well, again, good morning, everyone. And um, again, those of you listening on our podcast, it's great to have you here in the room and then also listening online. And um, it's been, I don't know about for you, those of you who are out of town for spring break, it was really kind of a crazy week. The one day the winds were like crazy. By the way, if you're missing a trampoline, it's in this field over here. Did you see it? Yeah. So go pick it up because we're calling the city on Monday. So <clears throat> crazy. But those, those of you who, have, who uh, are just kind of catching, getting up to speed, we are continuing a series called It Is Finished. And we are looking at the seven last words that Jesus said on the cross, and um, I like that opening video because it has two words in there that are kind of hard to say, but it's limitless love, and that's kind of a lim- limit, it's hard to say, um, but it's a concept and, and something, a truth that I want you to know throughout and remember throughout this series of Lent and actually even beyond, um, and that truth, again, is stated like this, because of Jesus, I live in the limitless love of God, okay? Say that with me. Ready? Go. Because of Jesus... I live in the limitless love of God. It's kind of hard to say, isn't it? Um, But this is really, this phrase is really what Lent is all about. The realization that you and I have no claim to grace. There's nothing in and of ourselves that says, hey, I deserve anything from God, any goodness at all, because that's what sin does. Sin completely tainted us. But... God loves you and I so much that he's not going to leave us in that state. That's the, whole, that's the whole reason Jesus came. And Lent, then, is that time where we think about that. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but Lent, actually, the original word is an old English word called lectin, which basically means springtime. So when, they were put, when, the, when, when the church started celebrating the season of Lent, they, they thought, well, when, do we, when is Easter? When should we celebrate Lent? How about in the springtime, right before Lent? So this is actually, the word Lent actually just means, is, is like saying, hey, let's start Lent in March. So Lent is like March. But I like that idea of the original language, springtime, because isn't it true that you and I, in faith, because of what Jesus did, we were brought from winter to spring. We were brought from death to life. We were brought from confession to forgiveness. That's the beautiful piece of what Lent is about, is not just staying in the wallowingness of the darkness of the season, but the beauty of the hope of when, when we celebrate when Christ rose again and gave us life and light and summer. Um, so let me catch you up to speed if you haven't been uh, around the last couple of weeks. Ash Wednesday, we actually started the series, and, and the first words that we looked at were Jesus looking at basically his enemies who were who were uh, bargaining for his clothes, and, and, he, and he looks out on the, the crowd, and he just basically says, Father, forgive them, right? And that word to us is, if he's looking at people who didn't like him, who weren't like him, who were his enemies, and he said, forgive them, how much more does he look at you and me and say, forgive them? Then last week, uh, we talked about when Jesus was on the cross in that, that scene, and he looks over at the one, the one thief and says, Today you're going to be with me in paradise. And I shared with the downtown last week, the word paradise actually means garden. Uh, And so when somebody is invited, it's a Persian word, when somebody was invited into a garden, it's meaning the garden of the king. 
So Jesus could have used the word, today you're going to be with me in heaven. That word was 278 times in the New Testament. That was the word, heaven. You know, it's like, today you're going to be with me in a grocery store. Very generic kind of word, right? For some of you, grocery store is heaven, maybe. I don't know. But so Jesus, Jesus used a very specific word, only used three times in the New Testament. The word paradise, this beautiful picture of walking with the king. It was the highest honor that people were granted in kingdoms. So that was last week. And so just as Jesus showed his compassion to somebody he didn't know, he didn't know the, the, the guy on the cross, the thief on the cross, today we hear and see the heart of compassion that Jesus had for somebody who he did know really, really well, and that was his mom. So John 19, that's where we're going to be taking a look at. Um, and here's, here's how that scene plays out. Now remember, get in your head this picture of, 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 of Jesus on the cross and the other thieves, maybe even more thieves, other, or more people being crucified at that time, most likely because they wouldn't spend all the money. It's kind of like buying in bulk at Sam's. You buy a lot. So they killed a lot of people because it was cheaper. Um, I don't know where that came from. Um, but uh, So when next time you're in Sam's, remember Jesus. Um, so, so they get the scene. Jesus is up there on the cross. There's the smell of death. There's the smell of feces. There's the smell of blood, of, of heat, of just, it is a horrible scene. And then we come upon this beautiful picture of what Jesus says to his mom. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now, why were the women there? One of the questions theologically is, how did the women have access to the cross? We have to remember, and we've talked about this in here, women did not have any value really in the, the ancient world in Jesus' time. Jesus' teaching about the value of women was so revolutionary. But these, so these women actually could go and move around society without being, the men wouldn't pay attention to them. So they had access right up to the, to the crosses uh, that were right there on the hill, or in the area. So there's Mary, his mother, standing there. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that we know that that's John. So when he saw his mother there and John, he said to her, woman, very key word, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple John, he said, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, it's easy to read this and kind of go, oh, that was really nice of him, and then move on. But there's so much going on in just these couple of verses, not only culturally and background-wise, but for you and me personally. There's so much going on, so many questions. Why, why was it John and not one of, one of um, Jesus' other brothers who were actually part of the family? Why was it John? Why did Jesus call his mom woman? Was that a slam to her? And then maybe the question that we're going to, or the question we're going to look at here is, what's the encouragement for you and me just in these little verses? So we're going to dive into these, and there are three reasons, John Piper talks about this in an article I read, three reasons why these couple of verses are really encouraging for you as a Christ follower. And if you want to write these down, you can just take your bulletin, you can take a couple of notes. Um, But there are three reasons that... um, the words of Jesus to his mom and the disciple are just an incredible encouragement. First one is this. Uh, Jesus has a deep willingness to care for you. Why? Because of, his, because of his limitless love. 
Now, as we go the, through these three, this is kind of like a play-along thing. I'm going to say the first part, and after I say why, then you all are going to respond because of his limitless love. I want to get that limitless love in your mouth, okay? So let's practice that. Ready? Jesus has a deep willingness to care for you. Why? Way better than nine (laughs) o'clock. Don't tell them. Um, Jesus has this little interaction shows Jesus has a willingness to care for you. If Jesus was so eager to care for his, his mom in his hour of need, how much more is he willing to care for you who, is, who are disciples and followers of Christ. If he loved his mother with kind of that natural affection, right? It's like, well, of course I'm going to care for you. You're my mom. But yet, over and above that, how much more is he willing to care for you? I mean, for those of us who, who see God as somebody who's off in the distance and just doesn't want to love me or care for me, I want you to think twice. Because everything that Jesus did, everything that God did, is always pointed toward fulfilling his purpose, but also toward his willingness to step through history to walk with you through some difficult times and to walk with you through great times. So the first encouragement, he has a deep willingness to care for you. Second encouragement is this. Jesus has a powerful ability. It's not that just he wants to and he can't. He also is he's willing he wants to. He has a deep ability to care for you. Why? Ah, great. Um, so the second word to Jesus, this is, a, this is a huge encouragement because of his ability. Now think about this. Here Jesus is on the cross, and Sherry mentioned in, in the children's message, he's tired. He's really close to death. 90% of the people never made it to the cross, actually, because of the preparation for crucifixion killed most of them, or, or, or most of them would die um, because they couldn't handle it. Jesus is on the cross, bloody, torn up, bones showing, flesh, the whole bit, and yet he cares for his mom. Now, in his resurrected state, now that he, you know, he's resurrected in, in heaven on the right hand, sits in the right hand of God, now in his full power... That full power, is the, he has the ability now, even more so, to care for you. It's an amazing thought. Ephesians 1 says that the greatness of God's power, which is working on behalf of us who believe, it's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. So the same power that is within you through the Holy Spirit, the same power that is, that is called upon in prayer, is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Remember that song we sing? Uh, in here, same power that rose Jesus from the dead. I must, you, I, uh, I, it's because I sang it. That's why you don't, uh, <laughs> my bad singing. You know, lives in us, lives in us. Is that better? No. Thanks, Rob. It's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> You're fired. No. Um, John Piper says this, the satisfaction for our sin at Calvary was so complete that God honored the sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead and giving him incomparable power and wealth of all things. So, and so when Paul the Apostle con- uh, contemplates whether we can bank on Christ's pos- provision for our need, it's out of this wealth and glory that gives you and I assurance. God has the ability, Jesus has the, the willingness to care for you and the ability to care for you. It's a great encouragement from the cross, but that's not all he 
does. That's not all that shows here. The third encouragement for us is this. Jesus has a strong desire for you to see the church as a new spiritual family. Why? One of the reasons we know that this is one of the messages that Jesus was sending was because he used the word woman. It wasn't derogatory at all. It was just stating woman. And in using that term in this context, he is saying, he's, he's globalizing his message of care and compassion. It's not just about me and my mom that I want to take care of. It's a bigger picture. And the bigger picture, especially since he didn't choose one of his brothers, who may or may not have been there, he chose somebody outside of the family. He's putting all these pieces together to create this this massive, beautiful masterpiece of a puzzle that says, Jesus is is willing and able to care for you, and part of that caring happens within the context of church, of what we're doing right now. Because while many families, many of your families are super close and loving and accepting, get this, being in your family does not guarantee that you'll be loved there. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Just the fact that you are born into the family that you are born into does not guarantee that you'll be loved there. If you've lived any number of years with your family, you know this is true. Many of you have stories of families in which you grew up where your dad just kind of held that title and that was it. Or the person who brought you into the world holds the title mom, but you were never loved by her, accepted by her. You were a placeholder as a child. You were a toy for others just to abuse, especially if you didn't go along with the family way. I read a story of a Muslim teenager um, who followed Islam, her whole family and relatives did. And she ends living in America, she ends up hearing about Jesus from a friend. And her heart was changed. Because now, wait a second, I can be loved unconditionally? I don't have to do these things. I, I'm not afraid for this thing called this this deity called Allah. I'm not af- I don't I can I can be loved by the God of the universe. And her heart was changed. The problem was she was living in America in a community that was 100% Muslim and practiced, practiced, followed Islam and practiced Sharia law, which has little regard for women and even less regard for those who are not following Islam. So denying Islam and becoming Christian meant mental and physical abuse at best, death at worst. And through this weird church connection, she found her way to the other end of the country to flee her family all alone as a teenager, except for the love and care of a local church body who met her in the city, took her in, a family took her in. And she had to change her name and the whole bit. But that's what this new con- this concept that Jesus is setting up, this concept of this, this new spiritual family that you are a part of that we are a part of here. Real love, true love is not assumed just because you're born into your family of origin. And again, there are many families where your family is a sanctuary of love and a sanctuary of hope and joy. Um, But there's one thing that I know about you. You want to be loved. How many of you don't want to be loved? 
None of us. Consciously or subconsciously, all of us want to be loved. And you'll do anything you can to find evidences of love in the relationships that you have. Because love shows that you're valued, right? Love shows that you're not alone. Love shows that you have a purpose and a meaning in life. And that's why Jesus was so intent on teaching about finding love within the community of believers. You ever realize that? He he did teaching on the family and how wonderful the family unit is, but he did almost twice, if not three times more teaching about the community of believers, the family and the body of Christ, and how beautiful that can be. He was so, that's, again, that's why he was so intent on teaching about finding love within the community of believers. The family love is great, but there's so much more. That helps explain another, I think it's a weird story, something that Jesus did that I'm still kind of, actually, until last night, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Um, in Luke 8, if you remember this story, Jesus is teaching, and there's just these crowds and crowds of people around him. And uh, his, his mother and his brother came to him, but they weren't able to get, him, get to him because of the crowds. Remember this story? And it was reported to him, hey, your mom and brother, they're standing outside in the crowd. They're waiting to see you. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, let them through. They're on the guest list. They're, you know, on the pass. No, this is what Jesus says. Um, he answered, said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, for me, when I hear that, it's like, that's the rudest. Man, if my kid did that to me, you're grounded. You know, it just, it just seemed really rude. And I didn't understand this until last night. You guys know that my son's in a band and they're doing great and they played First Ave last night. Sold out show, it was amazing. Um, And after the show, Kelly and I couldn't get to Nathan. Not only could we not push through all the screaming 13-year-old girls. (laughs) Please. Um, (laughs) It's so cute. Um... Not only that, they wouldn't let us back there. They're at a point right now where Kelly and I don't have, I don't have access to my own son at the shows. So I I love you guys. And if you're asking me to get on the list, good luck. I can't even get on the list anymore. (laughs) But but that's, that's kind of the idea. And believe me, I'm not saying that my son Nathan is Jesus. No, not at all. But I understand... Basically, I kind of understand this now, is that Nathan, or the band and Nathan, they see all of the people as part of their, quote, hippocampus is the name of that, hippocampus family now. See what I'm saying? Again, it's a kind of a bad analogy, but I understand from a parent's perspective, now I'm one of his fans. It's weird. Changed his diaper as a kid. I'm, you know, it, it's just a weird concept. But that's, that's Jesus' whole idea. It's like, and did you know in, in heaven too, the titles mother and father are not in heaven. Those relationships don't exist. Brother and sister does. But not mother and father. The only father is obviously, you know, God the father. So we are all part of a spiritual family. Again, um, truthfully, we need to fight for our families. We need to preserve those relationships. But again, with this last one, the point is, as a Christian, your family is greater than the number than you think. It's not limited to biology. And just even, um, it's not the only place of connection and love in your family of origin. 
Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his mom. No, it's not what it says. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. It's a different relationship, a deeper relationship. So right now, go ahead and look around the room. I know this is, I see your faces every Sunday, so don't look at me. Just look around, turn around, look at the faces around you. Boy, are you guys shy. Some of you are like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. Somebody's looking at me. I know it. I'm not looking, right? Just look at the faces. This is your spiritual family. You may not know the names. You may not know the person, the background. I can tell you almost hundreds of stories just in my short six years here of how the family of God has wrapped their arms around some of you in a way that you could not get from your family at home and that you have been carried through a a storm the size of any hurricane because of this family here. I know of some of you that are going through it right now, and you are praising God in your heart right now because of this family of faith, because of the, the encouragement that you don't necessarily see up front on stage, but it's a beautiful connection that happens in this room between us. The key idea of this whole picture is that Jesus is willing to care for you. He has the ability to do so. And part of that happens through the family of believers. We're not perfect. We goof it up all the time. There are some of the other stories where it's like, oh, we missed that one, are crazy. But we try. This is your spiritual family. And you fight for it. We fight for our church. We fight for each other. So the key idea in what Jesus said, and actually a key word that we just talked about was a word called encouragement. You know people in your own personal family who are not in this room that need a word of encouragement. You know people who are in your church family who could use a simple word of encouragement. And normally at this point in the sermon, I give you a homework assignment. Now go out and send a card, go out and do this. We're going to do it right now. Take out your cell phones. Everybody in here, if you have a cell phone that you can text with, take out your cell phone. If you're a guest or visitor, yeah, we're doing this. I've never done this. No, that's not true. I've never done it here before. I've never done this before um, uh, at Trinity. But right now, Think of somebody who is your either, I would like, I would prefer if it's a family mem- member that you may be disestranged from or estranged from, somebody who maybe is on the fringes, that weird Uncle George or, you know, that crazy Aunt Lizzie who has that hair coming out of the mole, you know, something like that. You know? <laughs> what I want you to do is I'm going to give you a phrase to text, and so I'm going to have all of us, I texted my brother the first service, he's moving this week up to Seattle, and I know that he needs... Um, <laughs> So th- my brother is moving this weekend. So first service, I texted him um, what, what we're, go- we're all going to text to this person. But first thing is, who's the first person that you think of? Right now, I'm thinking of my mom. So I'm going to text my mom. Um, uh, and I'm actually, um, you can do a selfie if you want with this. Um, and I'm going to text it to my mom. And this is what I want you to type, okay? This is what I want you to type. Right now, I'm in church. And I want you to know that God loves you and so do I, okay? So get that all time. Don't send it yet. 
Make sure that you're not, well, you can type the same person. Look at some of you doing selfies. That's so cool. Okay, on the count of three, let's go ahead and send it. One, two, three. Oh, a couple of you are getting texts from each other. That's awesome. (laughs) Hey, that's the purpose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I know this is kind of weird, but it's just an example of how simple this can be. Um, If you have a story from this, like somebody goes, who, first of all, who are you? I don't even know who, you're t- who you are. I don't know. But if you have a story, I would love to have those stories. And maybe next week in the sermon at the beginning, we can kind of share what God did through just this simple little texting thing, okay? But let me, let me close with this. Um, let me close with this. Broken relationships break the heart of God. Broken relationships break the heart of God of God. Jesus was all about relationships. Did you know the only reason Jesus went to the cross was because of relationships? He didn't go because it would make good art in the Middle Ages. He didn't go because it was a fun thing to do. The only reason he went was because of a broken relationship. And that broken relationship was between you and God. Think about it. He went to the cross. He rose again. It was so you can be in a relationship with him, so that you can be part of a family like this and be cared for and do the same for others. You were created to be in relationship. Remember right at the beginning, Adam. God looks at Adam and says, it's not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He created, yeah, he created a a helper. That is why Jesus came. He loves you. And I don't know what your church background is. I don't know what your growing up is. I don't know what you're thinking right now about who God is. Maybe your experience right now in life really stinks, and it's really hard. Maybe it's because of some things you've done. Maybe it's not because of some things you've done. It doesn't matter. The fact that God would give his very best for you in Jesus shows you how much he loves you, even in the midst of the junk that's going on in your life. And that's what Lent is about. It's a springtime, church. It's a beautiful springtime that celebrates true love that comes in Christ. And again, because of Jesus, you and I, we live in the limitless love of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray. Father, I thank you that, um, I thank you for the grace to kind of goof around a little bit this morning, God, and and, um, just uh, really celebrate our family Uh, And I just pray those texts that we just sent out, that they actually, Lord, that you would take those and really help encourage the person that's going to be receiving those texts. Uh, If you want to share, God, if you want to bring stories to us that we can kind of share and pass around through Facebook or even in in church, that would be awesome. But Father, the biggest thing is knowing that we can be uh, vessels used by you in just a a weird and cool way. Thank you for that. God, I just pray for our relationships in this room. First, for our family relationships. Second, for our church relationships. That, that, we, that they are peppered and seasoned with humility, with servanthood, and with love. God, I thank you so much for the gift of grace that we see in Jesus. It's in his name and all God's people said, amen. amen.